So the first step and the most important step is to get the buy-in of all of the commercial organization, making sure that everyone's bought into this approach and making sure that everyone understands the value and the change. Because if you're saying, yeah, it's ABM, it's amazing, you know, a lot of like hands in the air, then people don't necessarily understand what that means. You want to make sure that everything is clear. Everyone understands the implications, what this means, because this is not like a tactical decision. It's a strategic decision that has a ton of implications. And if you don't have a solid buy-in from all of the relevant stakeholders, it's probably going to fail, mm. especially if you're looking into you know, doing the full transition into an ABM approach. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Market Mentors podcast. I'm Matt Dodgson, co-founder of Market Recruitment, and we connect B2B tech and SaaS businesses with marketers to help them grow. This week, we are joined by Amit Bivas, who is the VP of Marketing at Optimove. And it's not often you see this, but he's been with the company for over 10 years, joining when they had only 20 or so employees and helping them grow to over 200. Today, he heads up a team of 20 marketers, and I got the opportunity to discuss how they've gone all in on account-based marketing. Yes, you heard it right, all in on ABM. And we discuss the why, the how, and the now. I hope you enjoy. So welcome to the Market Mentors podcast, Amit. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure, pleasure. Now, I've got to be honest, this topic fascinates me. But before we dig into it, I'd love to know what your relationship is with account-based marketing. What's my relationship with it? I'm in love with it. (laughs) I'm thinking that at some point, all marketing B2B enterprise will become account-based marketing. Just for the simple fact that anyone out there today is just intolerable to relevant marketing. And the whole concept behind account-based marketing is being laser-focused, specific on certain accounts creating value in your marketing communications, unlike your traditional, I wouldn't say spray and pray because we're way beyond that, but more, let's say, broad, one, two, few, many marketing, especially when you're targeting executives. If you don't have a laser focus approach, your ability to climb above the clutter that they already receive is almost impossible. Hmm. And you touched on the sort of definition, if you like, of account-based marketing. But when you talk to different people, you do get a slightly different angle. For the purpose of this conversation, And what do you mean by account-based marketing? It's an amazing question. And I think that one of the best definitions that I heard probably six years back was the definition of account-based marketing is the perfect alignment between sales and marketing, right? And it covers it all because end of the day, the outcome of an ABM approach is to focus all of your artillery toward the same target, so to speak. So you're taking all of your market resource, all of your marketing activity, all of the sales activity, and all of the commercial organization's activity in the business are aimed and focused towards the same subject, towards the same target. And that creates a perfect alignment. All of the discussion around the sales marketing friction is outside of the picture because you're all bought into the TAM, to the total addressable market. You're all aligned in terms of the efforts that are placed on that TAM. You're all aligned in terms of the prioritization of the accounts. So whenever marketing hands off an account or whenever marketing needs to create that aerial support for accounts in the pipeline, everyone knows what's going on and everyone's fully aligned. So it's not the you know textbook definition But one of the most amazing things about ABM 
is that it creates that seamless alignment between sales and marketing. And that's usually one of the biggest challenges in organizations where marketing services sales. No, I definitely agree with that. And would you say that's still the case, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-a-few, or one-to-many then? Are you encapsulating account-based marketing in all those different buckets? A hundred percent. One-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many, those are different tactics within a given approach or strategy, right? So ABM is the strategy. And the idea behind ABM is, again, that all of your artillery, and pardon me for using this military language, but all of your artillery is aimed towards a given, known, well-defined target. Hmm. And then, fine, upper funnel, you can work on one-to-few or one-to-many, but one-to-many's definition there would probably be vertical-based or geo-based. And then as you go down the funnel, and again, you need to design this differently for each business and each use case. But for us, as you go down the funnel, you become more and more personalized. And the idea is that once there are higher chances of closing the account, we're willing to pay or resource more effort into that account. Because obviously one-to-one is much more effort when you scale it than you know one-to-few or one-to-many, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Now, we're obviously here to talk about Optimus sort of shift to account-based marketing. But before that happened then, what was Optimove's marketing approach? I'd say the traditional marketing, you know, a lot of lead generation with, you know, marketing qualified lead, sales qualified lead, sales accepted lead, opportunity, and so on and so forth. Looking at that specific individual within a specific company that is likely to buy at this point or another. And it's more of, I call it as an approach, reactive marketing. You're spreading that net and waiting for the right prospects to come. So yes, even if you go and do like this kind of display campaign on LinkedIn or whatever, then you'd create this audience, then put the relevant stakeholders. But usually your messaging is quite broad and you're betting on this being the right time. I'm targeting you. This is my value proposition. Click here. I'll try to convert you. I'll try to get your email. I'll try to start creating a sales conversation. But it's more reactive since you're waiting for the prospect to take a first step. Hmm. And just to rewind then, Optimove itself then, I mean, essentially, what are you marketing? Who is your audience? What are the sort of deal sizes? Perhaps just to put a bit of context behind it. So Optimove is a significant player in the marketing technology space, specifically multi-channel marketing. So we're a leader in Forrester's way for cross-channel campaign management, a challenger in Gartner's Magic Quadrant for multi-channel marketing hubs. So that's what's other spaces, CDP, customer data platform, but also there are a few types of those, so more of the actionable CDP. And in other words, you know, the technology, when I like to explain it very shortly, it's the patty and the burger. You have the data under it and you have the execution channels above it. And that just takes the data in, does all its voodoo, you know, unification, flattening the data, predictive analytics on top of it and such, provides the marketer access to their data, the ability to build segments create treatments, and then execute them through the channels. So part of the channels are native in Optimove. Others are integrated into it. But the idea is kind of like orchestrating all of your communications with your existing customers. We sell into retail, gaming, financial services, QSR, and several other verticals that are, by definition, selling directly to the consumer. And we're talking about enterprise companies, usually companies somewhere between 100 million annual turnaround to, you know, a lot of billions. Gotcha. Buyers, and again, this is part of the ABM approach. There is no buyer, there's a buyer committee, right? The decision maker usually is the CMO. The influencers are, you know, the marketing program manager 
or the marketing manager or other CRM directors and such. And others involved in the process are your usual suspects, finance, procurement, legal, and such. And IT. If you remember the bottom patty is data, so you need someone to work the data into the system. You can't forget the IT guys. And a pretty competitive space, I would have thought, been in the sort of MarTech category. When we're talking about your shift then to account-based marketing, what was the trigger for you making that shift? So I think that the understanding that you need to focus is something that's very much aligned with the maturity of the company. When you're an early stage startup, you have this idea, you build a product, and you try to find this product market fit. You try to figure things out as you move. So you need to keep kind of broad in order to see what comes in, and you need to be reactive to the market. At some point in your maturity, when you already have significant revenues and you want to become more effective in your marketing treatment, that's the point in time you have a good idea of what's your addressable market, where you have that product market fit. You can easily and clearly define who you want to be as your customers to the level of a list of companies. Hmm. I can list this and that thousands of accounts. Each and every one of them could be a client of ours. Obviously, there are priority between them. And again, out of the total addressable market, you have a selected addressable market. But end of the day, you need to be at a place or at a maturity level where you can say, okay, this is a list of 3,000, 4,000 accounts. Each and every one of them could be an Optimove client at one point in time or another. And this is my ideal list. Now, if you can create that list, you should probably, to a certain extent, start working or start deploying an ABM approach. It's not all or nothing. In our case, we went all in, but many companies that I'm in touch with and I'm familiar with kind of like play on that spectrum. Okay, so I'm still investing 20, 30, 40% of my marketing spend on traditional marketing and then the rest on account-based. In our case, we were able to define very, very well what that target total addressable market is. What's the selected addressable market subset of that and what we want to do with them? What are our growth goals? And that if we're able to maintain a certain win rate and conversion rates within that TAM, we'll be able to hit or even exceed our goals. Then we decided to go all in. Makes sense. And I'd see more often, actually, that blended approach that you talk about where people are still sort of keeping a wider breadth on activities, including things like account-based marketing. Just talk to me about the conversations you had then, because coming up with an idea like this and perhaps walking into the founders or the investors and saying, look, we're going to ignore the TAM. We're going to ignore this big market over here. And actually, we're just going to focus all our arsenal, if you like, on this list of accounts. I can imagine there being a bit of a pause in the conversation and some people thinking, do you know what? Hmm. What sort of reactions did you get when you sort of floated that idea? So luckily, when we started planning into it somewhere around end of 2019, our board was familiar with the concept of account-based marketing. Even before we kind of started thinking in that direction, I remember board meetings where they said, are you familiar with account-based marketing? Did you try this kind of approach? So when I came and put that bomb there and said, we're going all in, fully blown account-based marketing, the awareness of this concept was already there. And then from there to creating the business case saying, listen, this is our win rate. This is our conversion rate. This is the amount of pipeline we're able to generate for sales. If we run on an account-based approach, we just do while maintaining or improving these KPIs and stats, we're able to meet or even exceed our revenue good targets. Hmm. So it was quite straightforward. Obviously, as CEOs and boards do, they try to poke it around and find loopholes. Hmm. 
part of which sent us back to rethink things that we put down there. But end of the day, we were able to not dodge the bullets, but answer the challenging questions and make the case for it. C'est la vie. And once the business case was signed off then, I mean, how did you go about it? What was your initial approach then to making the shift? Usually what happens is you just put a point in time where at this point, we're going to launch this. And my background is engineering. I found my way into marketing, but I'm an industrial engineer where we look at processes from an engineering perspective. And so I know that, you know, building this whole machine for the launch is something that won't work. So you need to kind of like do it gradually, right? And there are a lot of like different milestones in the process that need to happen in a certain order in order for this to start generating value. And then slowly but surely, you can continue building it, improving it based on its performance and feedback that you get and so on and so forth. But the first thing I did was taking my counterparts from sales and making sure that we're fully aligned. Hmm. Let's talk about this approach. We're now going to take a list and we're now going to put all our efforts against this list and make sure we maximize the amount of accounts that we're able to win from this list. What's important to mention here, the main difference between the traditional marketing, B2B marketing approach and ABM is the goal function. The goal function in traditional marketing is, you know, think about this equation, max parentheses, MQLs. You want to create as much MQLs as you want. And here with ABM, the goal function is max TAM touch points. You want to maximize the amount of touch points on a given account with the hypothesis that the more FaceTime and the more touch points you have with that account, the more likely they are to become your client. And you even start working on an account, even if you know that they're currently not in market for your solution. Because the idea is that we will be in conversations with them. And when they are in the market, you'll be the one helping them write that RFP. Hmm. And when they're in the market, you'll be the first vendor to come to mind. There's also the difference between the reactive and proactive approach. You don't care where they're at at the buying cycle or if they are in a buying cycle at all. You're starting to work on that account year round. And based on where they are in their awareness stages. So first of all, they're an unaware account. Okay, hi, Optimove, know my name know the problem that I saw. Then once there's that kind of awareness, then you start explaining the case and why the right time is probably now if you don't have a solution in place. And if you do have, let's talk about why our solution is different. So again, to building it out. So the first step and the most important step is to get the buy-in of all of the commercial organization, making sure that everyone's bought into this approach and making sure that everyone understands the value and the change. Because if you're saying, yeah, it's ABM, it's amazing, you know, a lot of like hands in the air, then people don't necessarily understand what that means. You want to make sure that everything is clear. Everyone understands the implications, what this means, because this is not like a tactical decision. It's a strategic decision that has a ton of implications. And if you don't have a solid buy-in from all of the relevant stakeholders, it's probably going to fail, mm. especially if you're looking into, you know, doing the full transition into an ABM approach. What about people then? What about your team? How did you sort of change perhaps how your team did their day-to-day roles then? It's a great question. So the structure of my team is based on marketing disciplines, right? So I have uh, content, product marketing, growth and operations, comms, and so on and so forth. And the marketing disciplines don't change. Their subject changes. One example is content. Content is traditionally, you know, SEO focused and kind of like creating value for your market. Hmm. So the definition of the market changes. The definition of the funnel changes, but you still need to generate content. So understanding what are the main challenges 
of our total addressable market, one to few, one to many, and even sometimes one to one, we could create a specific blog post that is dedicated to grab the attention of an account because we weren't able to grab their attention, I don't know, using other tactics. So we can write a blog post that's reviewing Acme's you know, CRM strategy. Hmm. And then on social media, we tag them. So also one of our initiatives, which I also speak about a lot, is that one of our content marketing drivers is a standalone publication that we started. So think about the editor-in-chief, which is the content director on my team, mm. reaching out to the CMO of this Acme company and offering an interview. It's the same marketing disciplines, just again, all of your artillery is aimed towards the same target. Mm. Makes sense. And what about from a tech point of view? I know that there's obviously account-based marketing tech out there to support you with this kind of stuff, but how did that change in terms of your own marketing tech stack then? That's definitely something that we changed. We took a lot of different vendors and ad platforms and created significant tech stack there that would support this approach. So starting from the ability to identify traffic to your website, who are the companies that are visiting your website? So reverse IP. That's the easier things. Data enrichment, in order to have that ability to be laser focused, you need to grow the data and intel that you have on each and every one of those accounts. What's the tech stack that they currently use? What's the size of the business? How many people do they have on their CRM team? So those are also technologies that we brought in. The ability to orchestrate all of this operation under one umbrella, website personalization, so today we have the ability of when we get a website visit from account A, B, or C to create different experiences, right? It's a full change of the stack. Makes sense. What sort of results are you seeing from it then? You know, I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this thinking this sounds amazing because good marketing is talking to your audience and there's no better way than if you're talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. But then some might be thinking, crikey, it's a hell of a shift, isn't it? To sort of ignore that sort of addressable market, if you like. But from your perspective, then, what kind of results are you seeing from the shift? So the first thing you're going to see, and you're going to start panicking, is less pipeline. <laughs> less pipeline for sales. But then the other thing you're going to see is a crazy uptick in win rates. Because the idea is that it's a game of quality and not quantity. A good way to describe this approach is like it's an inch wide, a mile deep, mm. versus that inch deep, mile wide of traditional, right? Mm. So you're working very deep on you know, a subset of the market. But your ability to win that subset grows. So you're going to see your average selling point, your ASP going up, right? Because you're selling to the right accounts and you're focusing on the accounts that are the best fit and are willing to pay since they are such a good fit and since you can create such good value to them. You'll see win rates go up because you're creating the right pipeline for sales. You will see the amount of leads and opportunities you create for sales going down, but that's fine. That's part of the approach. You just need to be aware of that. Hmm. And then for us, at some point, the board and CEO came to me and said, listen, we need more opportunities. <laughs> Fine, no worries. So let's grow the total addressable market or the selected addressable market. Yeah. Then as long as you can maintain the performance figures and you don't see diminishing returns in terms of the quality of the accounts and the spend that you have, you're able to grow that pool that you're working on to a certain extent, given the resources that you have, the amount of salespeople that can deal with these accounts. Also, a big change that we did on the sales side here is that there's a cap on the amount of accounts a salesperson can hold at any given time. Okay. Prospecting and so on and so forth. So again, it always needs to be a balance of all of your resources in order to optimize your deliverables. 
So fine, you want to create more deals? Let's make sure that we have more salespeople that can catch these opportunities and maximize them. And let's create a mechanism to prioritize accounts and put them into from the total addressable market into the selected addressable market. And that way you're able to create more opportunities. And did you broaden on vertical then or did you broaden on size of company? Which way did you go in order to sort of increase that pool or that list? So it could be either, but for us, our total addressable market is somewhere in the realms of, say, six, 7,000 accounts. Okay. Our selected addressable market is more in the realms of three, 4,000. And so the ability to broaden, again, we still have a big chunk of accounts that we're not proactively targeting. If they come in organically because, I don't know, they heard of us from a friend of them, yes, we're definitely going to treat them. But we're not proactively putting effort and resource into those accounts. And then you want to take that subset and create some mechanism to prioritize between those accounts and then push them in and out. And there always needs to be a mechanism of account trading. Mm. Sometimes you just can't reach a certain account. So after how long do you say, okay, I've exhausted my efforts, let's trade them out and trade in another account, right? So you need to also have all those mechanisms in place. What happens with an account that we lost in the sales cycle? So there's also a treatment for closed lost accounts. There's a cool off period and then specific marketing and communications that are relevant to the sale process that they've been through. Hmm. So thinking of all of those variables in this equation is critical to the success of this program. Makes sense. And for anybody who's thinking about adopting this or trying it or moving to, like you've done, perhaps a pure sort of account-based marketing approach, what would you tell them? What sort of advice would you give them then? What did you find particularly challenging yourself? So I'd ask them, who's the buyer? If their answer would be straightforward, I'd say, which companies do you sell to? If their answer would be straightforward, I'd say, fine, build a list. Build a list of 1,000. They've got the ICP. Exactly. Now, is it a single buyer or is it a committee? Usually it needs to be a committee. And then, okay, who are your personas? Who are the people that are involved in the sales cycles? Let's map them. So you have a list of accounts, a bank of functions of personas that you're selling to. Fine. Now you have that list. You understand who is the subject of this marketing approach. Great. Now think of different ways to target them. List them. Email marketing is an easy start, right? SDR, BDR activity. Easy start. Start with the things that are easier to kind of like create that initial POC. When we took a list of accounts and dedicated resources aimed towards that list, that's ABM. Now, we've seen an uplift of 10% in win rate, in conversion rate. Amazing. That's a POC. Now let's build on top of that and on top of that and on top of that. Hmm. If you're not sure that you want to go all in to this approach, start creating that kind of POC and build it well to be low-hanging fruit, easy impact at the beginning, and slowly but surely build on top of that the more, say, sophisticated sides of the thing that are always more costly. So all of the tech and all of that good stuff, there are plenty elements in existing traditional tech stack that could be easily transitioned into ABM. First one being, again, email marketing. Second one being content. Hmm. You know, you have your content creation resources, Ask them to create dedicated content for a micro vertical or for a specific account. See how that works for you. See how it's received. And then that usually creates the case. And then you start building it and you have a subset of your TAM that's treated in an ABM approach. And then that's kind of like an A-B test, right? You have your traditional marketing mm-hmm. approach, your ABM approach, and then play with a knob until you see diminishing return on either of the ends. 
And I guess if you involve sales at that early stage, very early stage, look, we're going to do a little experiment here with some accounts. Give me a salesperson. Let's identify these accounts together and get them in very, very early into the experiment, if you like. Then you can sort of run that up through the chain on the sales side as well, I guess. Yep. So many of my colleagues and my peers, you know, in their sales org, they work with pods. That's a very common approach. So take a specific pod and, you know, run that test with them. But you need to be very, very specific with the selection of that pod because they also need to be bought in. Yeah. Because the worst thing that could happen is, you know, taking a pod that's totally not bought in and they say, what's all this BS? You know, let me do what I'm used to be doing. I have my Rolodex. I know how to hunt down my accounts. (laughs) Leave me alone. You don't want that to happen. The old school way. Well, look, this has been a super interesting session, Amit. Thank you very much for sharing this with us. For people that would like to reach out to you, what's the best way of them doing that? LinkedIn. Isn't that the case always, right? Indeed. I think it is. Feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn. More than happy to answer any questions and, you know, help thinking about things and sharing from my experience. Fantastic. Thank you, Amit. Thank you. It's great being here. So that's a wrap for another episode. Thanks very much for listening. You can find me, Matt Dodgson, on LinkedIn. You can find our business, market-recruitment.co.uk. You can subscribe to this podcast through all the usual channels. If you'd enjoyed this episode, then please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it, and it will support the channel going forward. Thanks for listening.